Hi, this is Jess Guffian, and these are my thoughts for the discussion post for inquiry planning for using digital tools and programs. Since I'm in the transition to teaching program, I do not have experiences teaching using WebQuest or project-based learning projects. However, I have had many years of experience as a student in the classroom. I've only experienced project-based learning projects a few times in my educational experience. Um, I have experienced it a few times. Usually, it was more, more, more like a modified worksheet. In one experience in particular, I think that I had a teacher that did an exceptional job of using project-based learning in the classroom. As a sophomore in high school, I took AP World History, and during that course, we did a mock trial during our unit on the Mongols. It was very engaging, and our entire class took it to the extreme, dressing up for that day and eagerly anticipating the day of the trial. The success of this project was really found in the fact that our teacher had a hands-off approach in letting us do our own research and using our creativity. He was always there to guide us, but not control the project. I remember feeling challenged by the project and feeling like it was a little bit out of my reach, um, but feeling like I really achieved something remarkable when we finally had the day of the trial. So now I know that that is actually called scaffolding. As Belle in Project-Based Learning for the 21st Century mentioned, she, um, she mentioned that scaffolding instruction ensures success. Scaffolding in instruction refers to the supports provided to the students to assist them in making cognitive growth just outside of their reach. So I think when she quoted that in that quote by Bell, um, I can see the correlation between my own experience and what researchers are saying are some of the biggest benefits of project-based learning. So the main issue that I see or have witnessed when educators try to do project-based learning is that they keep the project very narrow and focused, and it's really just a modified worksheet, like I mentioned before. And it leaves the students with the task of simply finding the answers rather than using their own creativity, collaborating with each other, drawing their own conclusions, and finding correlations and connections on their own. I think that this... Um, this ability for students to own their own learning is something that they can take far beyond our classrooms. And it's worth our time and our energy to give them a really engaging and exciting project that gives them skills that will last them a lifetime. As we look into the big six in the BIE gold standards, um, I'm starting to see how they go hand in hand. Let me explain. So on the big6.org website, they describe the big six as a process model of how people of all ages can really solve an information problem. The big six consists of six stages with two sub-stages under each of the six stages. It can be used by anyone, anywhere, and it's essentially a model for how to solve an information problem. On the projectbasedlearningworks.org website, they describe the gold standard as a way to help teachers do project-based learning well. They've so in that, they've created a comprehensive research-informed model for project-based learning to help teachers, schools, organizations all measure, collaborate, and improve their practices. They have two different models, the seven essential project design elements and the seven project-based teaching practices. 
To me, it's not a question of either or in the situation, but it's really a situation of using both together and integrating them into not only this assignment that we're working on this week and next week, but also in my future classroom. As I see it, the big six can be utilized in two different ways. As a tool to guide educators like myself into how to design project-based learning experiences effectively, they can also be used for students of any age to guide them on the journey of how to independently and creatively solve the problem before them. Now, the gold standard is really more specific to helping teachers in their creation of project-based learning experiences. And I think that is extremely beneficial in narrowing down the factors that make project-based learning experiences successful. So I plan to use them interchangeably and together um, as I work on this assignment. They really share, even though they're different in their focus, um, their focus as far as they deliver the information and who the audience is, depending on how it's being used, these both share the same goals. The Big Six and the Gold Standards are both focused on providing opportunities for students to gain understanding of the content and to learn new skills that they need to process and use information around them effectively um, and to utilize the information in a way that helps them to learn how to process and how to come to their own conclusions. And really, when it comes down to it, these projects are helping students learn how to learn on their own and learn how to love the art of learning. If you're a visual learner, I've provided an infographic that compares and contrasts the Big Six and the Gold Standard. You can see that link to the, to the blog post where you originally click on this podcast. For this project, I really took um, the perspective of a persuasion task on webquest.org, their page webquest taskonomy, a taxonomy of tasks. Um, they really dove into this idea that there's different forms of project-based learning or webquest experiences. Um, this, then this idea, the persuasion task, um, will bring students into the shoes of historical figures. Um, this was going to look specifically at the Cuban Missile Crisis as part of the Cold War, and students are going to pretend that they are part of XCOM, the Ex Executive Committee of the National Security Council, um, and they are going to advise President Kennedy on what he should do during this 13-day crisis. They will receive some guided websites to begin their research. But then they will go ahead and reenact this time in history by gathering information on the events that led to the crisis, the perspective of the USSR, and the options the president had during those 13 days. Then the group will come to a conclusion together of how they would like to advise the president. Each member of the group can choose a different perspective or approach to gather their information from. So maybe the impact on civilians, international policy, etc. Um, but they will go ahead and have that choice and how they want to look at the project, how they want to look um, at this moment in history. And from there, that specific vantage point, they will be asked to give insight on how they want to advise the president and the different options that he has. Uh, and then also to give insight on how the Cold War and this crisis impacted the U.S. foreign policy um, 
at the time that it happened, but also how it has impacted the U.S. foreign policy into the future, into our current events that we see today. They will summarize their advice by giving a persuasive but brief statement to the entire class, acting as if the whole class is in the cabinet room themselves. They'll turn in a written briefing as well with all of their findings. Without specific guided questions, this project does allow students the freedom to own their experience and to use technology effectively. There's a balance between I'm going to give them some resources to start with and scaffolding the project, but they're really in control of what direction they want to take the assignment, what conclusions they want to draw. And they have a lot of freedom within this assignment to use their critical thinking skills and to find correlations within the events in history right up to the present day. I am going to implement this project before having lectures on the Cuban Missile Crisis because this will allow students to really discover the facts for themselves and feel like they are discovering their own learning and they have ownership of this experience. They will get to implement their own discoveries and their own understandings by drawing conclusions that they can own and they can then put themselves truly into the shoes of historical figures which I think is going to be a really engaging process. Um, we can use this knowledge that they're gaining through the project as a springboard to the rest of the unit. And I think this could be a really exciting and engaging time for our students to present their findings and to try to persuade, quote unquote, the president of what he should do during this crisis. Technology is primarily used in the classroom as a drill and practice approach or a tutorial approach, which is basically a lecture on a screen. While these activities might have their place, specifically I can see that in maybe a review session for an exam coming up, but in general, the inquiry learning is preferred when we're using digital tools. Philip Mulbash mentioned this in his article, um, and he described that the core of inquiry really has four parts. They are exploring the world, asking questions, making discoveries, and coming to new understandings. I was excited to specifically see that he mentions that many educators agree that social studies classrooms in which learners can actively pursue answers of their own topic-related questions is more effective than traditional classroom environments. This begs me the question to dive a little bit more into what this looks like on a practical basis. The authors of Why Problem-Based Learning Works mentions that students really need to understand not just, the, not just what the skills are, but the application of the skills that they're learning. They store the application of these skills as stories, which are more easily remembered than simple facts, and become a primary medium for conversation. They go on to mention that construct constructivism argues that skills have more meaning when they are acquired initially and consistently in meaningful context. So this really means that unless the ideas that the students are learning can be applied in real life examples, they really have no meaning to the student at all. Some of the key factors that schools, teachers, and students need to take into account when using digital technology in the classroom is that students need to have ownership of the process. They need room for creativity and to work together in groups and collaborate. They need to be provided with real world examples and they need to be able to make the connections um, to what they're learning to their daily lives. This gives it meaning, it gives it purpose, 
it removes the question of why do I need to learn this? Because it applies to their daily life and they can see those connections and make them on their own as well. While these factors are all very important and they need to be in connection with the big six and the golden standard, um, I think that there's still more to learn on this topic. But in general, inquiry-based learning will provide an educator with a classroom that's more engaging, relevant, and exciting for their students. It'll give their students opportunities to gain ownership and passion about their learning and develop them into lifelong learners. And this concludes my thoughts for discussion post four, inquiry planning for using digital tools and programs. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you.